0: Hi, my name is Kristen P. Ahern, and welcome to an archive episode of Sustaining Sustainability. Today, we will be revisiting a conversation with Peter Land of Dick's Sporting Goods. Did you know that gun violence in the US peaks in the summer months? This timely summer re-release highlights Dick's decision to stop carrying guns in alignment with their values to facilitate safe communities, and how choices like that play a role in sustainability efforts. Peter also touches on making public sustainability commitments and how that helps keep them accountable to their targets. There's lots to learn in this discussion.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sustaining Sustainability. I'm your host, C.B. Bhattacharya, professor and director of the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh. This week, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined from New York City by Peter Land, Senior Vice President and Chief Communications and Sustainability Officer for Dick's Sporting Goods, the largest athletics and fitness retailer in the United States. Prior to joining Dick's Sporting Goods, Peter served as a partner at Finsbury, a consulting firm specializing in corporate reputation, crisis management, and capital markets. He has also held senior communication roles at AOL and PepsiCo. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So Peter, before we dive into the big questions, could you begin by telling us about the why behind your own professional journey to become the chief communications and sustainability officer of Dick Sporting Goods? How would you define your personal purpose? I'm very, very
2: fortunate to be working at Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, I've been at the company for a little over a year and a half, and um, prior to that, I worked at a consulting firm, Finsbury, and Dick Sporting was a client of ours. So we started working for Dick's right prior to the decision that we had made about our firearms policy. So uh, I would say it was winter of 2018. Um, and through that work around firearms and, and some of the other kind of major initiatives that the company was going through, um, I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with their senior leadership team, and get to know the company. So then over the course of the next several years, we continued to work very closely together. And then during COVID, as you can imagine, there was kind of frequent communication in terms of uh, advising senior management on on employee communications and external communications. So kind of during that whole initial phase of the COVID crisis, uh, that's when Um, We kind of evolved the relationship, I guess you can say, and I went from being uh, kind of an outside consultant for the company to coming inside, running um,
1: sustainability communications and uh, government affairs. Wonderful. So continuing the focus on purpose, what today is the purpose of Dick's Sporting Goods and how has that purpose changed over time, if at all? And how does that purpose guide the work you decide not to do and what you decide to do? It's a great question. I I would say that our
2: purpose hasn't really changed in a significant way since Dick Stack opened the very first Dick's Sporting Goods in 1948. I think he believed, and then Ed Stack, who is his son who took over the company and really was responsible for building it to where it is today. They have a fairly simple, and, and we as a company have a fairly simple belief that sports makes people better, right? Um, that through exercise, through the outdoors, through being part of the community, learning how to win and lose gracefully in, in, in sports—that in general, um, sports makes people better—and that's kind of been our guiding philosophy um, at the company really since its inception. And the purpose part of that really comes down to—I um, would say—is most uh, clear in our Sports Matter initiative, where. It is totally designed to provide resources for young people that potentially don't have uh, resources to play sports, whether it's equipment or um, reseeding baseball fields or providing uh, funding for sports programs in local communities. So I think it's been a really consistent thread through the company's journey where, you know, sports is kind of at the core but really it's getting involved in communities
1: and, and helping and serving the communities where our stores are. So would you put that decision not to carry guns in the store, kind of was it tied to the purpose of the company in some way?
2: Yeah, it's a, in a way it was completely consistent because even though you might look at a a piece of paper and on one side it says, you know, providing equipment to the Little League program in a, in a small town, And the other side of the paper would be taking assault rifles out of the store and say, like, why are those two connected? But they are. They really are. Because what we believe in is making our communities like safe spaces. You know, so if there's an opportunity to kind of be involved in the community and and keep young people safe and make these communities just in general more welcoming and safe, that's what we're about. So to, to us, even though it might sound like we made a left turn, in truth, it was very, very consistent with our, our morals and our, our values in
1: terms of kids and communities. Excellent. Excellent. So Dix has recently set a target to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 30% by 2030. Can you report on any big wins or challenges that Dix has encountered as it starts on this journey?
2: Most of the opportunity for dicks is in our stores right so we have a corporate headquarters in pittsburgh we have five distribution centers around the country but we have about 850 stores in every corner of the country so the real sustainability opportunity the real action happens in those stores so if you think of every store that we have they're thousand square feet you know or bigger in some cases there's a lot happening in each of these stores that uses a lot of energy and and emissions, right? So there really are three primary areas at the stores that we're looking at. One is LED lighting. Um, The other is heating and cooling systems. And the third would be our roofs. But interestingly enough, the roof option is much harder for us because we are a renter in a vast, vast majority of our stores. Actually, in all of our stores, we rent. We're, we are tenants, not landlords. It, it's not as clear and as obvious, I guess, or even easy for us to say. Hey, we're just going to put a solar roof on 50 stores. It, they're, they're not our roofs, right? They belong to the to the landlord. You know, so for us, the biggest opportunity tends to be in lighting and heating and cooling systems. So that's really the biggest opportunity that we have. Um, But of course, we're looking at any number of tools in our toolkit to make sure that we reach our goal. But right now, that's where our primary focus is at the store level.
1: Mm. So let me ask you a follow-up question there. Um, So are there any particular challenges around decarbonization, uh, particularly around supply chains or what we call scope three, beyond your own operations, that are a result of so many Dick's Sporting Goods facilities being located in Appalachia and middle America?
2: No, I, I actually, I don't think there's any barriers to scope three for us based on location, right? I think, you know, because when you think of a Dick's Sporting Goods store, we, we basically have a two-pronged strategy as it relates to brands. So we have our own private brands that we call vertical brands. So those are, you know, DSG, Kalia, Verst, and many other brands that are, we own those brands and they are part of our family but a much larger percentage of our brands are the national brand partners we have you know Nike North Face Patagonia Wilson Rawlings you know Adidas Under Armour and so forth so our scope 3 work will involve our national strategic partners and the good news there is that many of these companies you know if you think about a Patagonia or or Nike and Adidas they're very very engaged and pretty far along in their sustainability efforts so, kind of working with them, and because they're obviously a big you know supply chain partner of ours, I think the opportunity for us is going to be working with our our brand partners to really do everything we can collectively. You know for us, it would be scope three for them, it would be scope one and two to bring the um,
1: bring the emissions down that's that's very good to hear so now, in 2020, dick Sporting Goods achieved one hundred percent female to male median pay ratio, uh, clearly a major milestone in terms of inclusion. Uh, what did it take to achieve this goal, and can you offer any insights for other companies that have similar ambitions? You know, it, it wasn't a heavy lift, I would say. The good
2: news is that we had been kind of marching along that path for quite some time, and and I think, and I don't know exactly uh, how many years because I've only been with the company a year and a half, but the work around gender pay equity was happening well before there was a sustainability report. Our first report was in 2018 or 2019 I'm sorry. So fortunately for us when we started to dig into the data to actually understand what our goals and opportunities were, we found out that we were we were kind of already there, right? So I think the good news for us is that we we start from a very very good place and now it's up to us and um our leadership team and, and our folks that are you know our fabulous team that works in our our HR department to ensure that we kind of make sure we keep it where it is today but it's 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 been a priority for for quite some time and it will continue to be a priority and and if you look at some of our marketing in 2021 i'm not sure if you've seen some of the the television campaigns but we focused two of our campaigns on the female leadership at the company so um, it's a really important area for us both from a, a teammate perspective from a, a, what we call athletes or what we call our consumers are called athletes you know, focusing on the female athlete, making sure that we have, you know, kind of equity inside of our company. They're, they're both massively important to Dick's Sporting Goods.
1: Mm-hmm. Any advice for someone else on other companies that kind of want to achieve? Do they, you know, one or two tips that that you have for them? I'm not sure
2: if I, it, it, you know, it's not really, I'm not sure I'm the best person to give advice for somebody else's company. I think companies do what they think is is best and is right for them. I guess I would just say that it's not that hard to do the work. And I think it's just a matter of just declaring a goal. And once you're public with a goal, you're accountable. And if you're accountable, you know, our experience, my experience at any company that I've worked in, my experience at exporting, is if you're publicly accountable, you're gonna get it done. Luckily in our case, we were kind of privately accountable and got it done, you know, and then kind of um, went public kind of thereafter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess one can always come back to the idea of, of the purpose, the core purpose of the firm. You know, if you're purpose driven, then I'm sure something like this is not that that hard to achieve in, in reality.
2: That's right. I think you hit on something. I think, you know, we we are at our core a family business. Right. So so, you know, like I said before, you know, Ed's dad started the company um, and Ed's still the executive chairman of the company. You know, even though we are a public company, in many cases it still feels like a family business. And I think when you have that kind of DNA and that vibe at the organization, and I'm I'm telling you, you feel it when you walk around the halls. You feel it when you make decisions around staffing. You feel it when you are are just kind of thinking about the future and taking care of communities and taking care of each other. You know, I think when you're part of a family. Business, I think the values that come with that are pretty apparent, and I think we we feel it, and it's it's a it's a it's a great feeling.
1: Sure, and I also wanted to mention for for our listeners that your CEO as is female, isn't that right? That is true. So Lauren Hobart uh, and I actually
2: worked together many many years ago. We were both at PepsiCo uh, from 2009. Uh, I think she was. She left to go to Dick's around 2011. I stayed for three more years. So we've been friends and colleagues for, for many years. And uh, frankly, one of the kind of appealing things about coming to work inside the company and to work with the company was rejoining Lauren. But yeah, she's been the CEO since February of uh, 2021. And uh, she and Ed formed a, a fabulous partnership. He's the executive chairman. She's the CEO. They've been working together really for 10 years to guide the company and they're both very very focused on the culture and I would say on the care of our of our teammates you know again we have 850 stores there's 35,000 employees that work out in the field and if you follow Lauren on LinkedIn you'll see she's out visiting stores every week somewhere and she's learning from the teammates what's working what's not working we're asking questions how are you feeling uh inquiring about mental health how are your families so you know she's made it a a core part of the fabric of her leadership to get out into the field and spend time with our teammates that work in the stores so we she could really get to know them and 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 understand kind of what their happiness is and
1: and where their pain points are and and how we how do we address those leadership by example i love it absolutely love it turning now our attention to something that's in the news a lot uh ESG or as you know, environmental, social, and governance metrics are becoming mainstream topics for financiers, regulators, and boards, with an ever-growing number of frameworks and initiatives to measure any company's kind of ESG impacts and progress. Just curious, what are some of the most relevant metrics for a sporting goods companies like Dick's, and where are you focusing your efforts in this area?
2: Um, our purpose playbook kind of lays out, which is what we call our sustainability report is our purpose playbook. It lays out four pillars and they cover the the important areas of, of ESG that, that you mentioned, but we kind of define it slightly differently, right? So we have a pillar that's around our sports matter and, and, and youth sports initiative. And we've established goals around getting a million kids to play sports by 2024. So we we look at that pillar and that's really all about the core fabric of our company, which is, you know, getting young people out to play sports. We have a, a, a second pillar is around product sustainability. So whether it's, again, our products or our partner's products, we are, you know, looking very hard at um, how do we have, you know, sustainable fabrics, what are our chemical policies and so forth. So we have a product pillar. We have a D, E, and I pillar, right, which is about kind of, we call it leveling the playing field. And we talked a little bit about pay equity and things of that nature and some of the other goals that we've publicly stated. So that's really around our, our workforce. And the fourth pillar is climate, right? So I think we have the E and the S and the G all covered. We just kind of name it slightly differently. And that's where our scope one, scope two, eventually scope three and a waste diversion, water usage, things of that nature, anything that impacts our environmental footprint. So again, four pillars for Dick Sporting Goods. It's not exactly E, S and G, but I think it's pretty close.
1: Fantastic conversation, but we are coming to a close our time together. Peter, what call to action would you make to our listeners?
2: I mean, it sounds very cliche, but I actually think it's true that everybody kind of can play a role. I mean, we talked about a lot of things today, but uh, you know, if you look at climate as, as one, you know, certainly whether it's you know reducing plastic use. If you go and see what New York has done, you know, you can't get a plastic bag anymore if you go into a a supermarket, right? So, I think we've all seen that the world can live without plastic bags, and that's why one of our goals is to eliminate plastic by twenty twenty five. But I think in, in our own lives, it's actually not that hard. People in New York have learned they take a you know a bag with them. They go shopping. Um, it seems to work perfectly well. So I think there are some big changes and some small changes, whether it's, you know, um, have a hybrid car, right? You know, uh, again, these are choices that, that people can make. They're personal choices in their lives. There's certainly a lot, a lot of choices that any one individual can make uh, that can impact, certainly have a climate impact. I think when it comes to diversity, which we talked about a, a little bit, most companies that, that we work with now, and it's not a kind of nice to do, um, it, it's a business imperative, and not just you know, diversity for diversity's sake, but honestly, it's, it's a business imperative because of the makeup of our country, right? I mean, the, the country is, is, is only going to be more diverse over the course of time. All the census data shows that. So I think any company that's thinking about diversity purely as a kind of an HR you know, transition matter is not really seeing the big picture. The big picture is that the, the country is changing you know, and, and companies need to kind of keep up with that dynamic, whether it's their marketing, their HR practices, their uh, supply chain, you know, their store employees, whatever that might be, it's really a cultural shift that's happening. And um, I, I think company, many companies are really doing a great job of it, but I think companies that really kind of take that very, very seriously will
1: really be well positioned for the future. Excellent is Peter Land, Thank you so much for spending some of your precious time with us today. Oh, it was really my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And before we sign off, my name is Kristen P. Ahern, and I'm the producer and editor of Sustaining Sustainability. We also want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our podcast survey. Go to bit.ly slash CSB pod survey, all lowercase, all one word. The link is also in the show notes. This podcast is made by the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh, directed by CB Bhattacharya. It is made possible by all our member companies. To learn more about our upcoming programs or about becoming a member, please go to our website or follow us at PittCSB on all social platforms. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague, since word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. And we'll see you soon for another episode of Sustaining Sustainability.